Welcome to episode 76 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Faith in Christ is an active engagement. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. This will be uh, the sixth lesson on imitation, the last one we're going to be doing, and it's taken from Hebrews, uh, the sixth chapter. And the 12th verse, where it says this, So you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Now, in any scripture, it's important to know, but I think in this passage particularly so, because what he's dealing with here are people that have fallen back into sacrificial system. In other words, they confess Christ, they, they were probably baptized, it seems as if they were members of a believing community, they were known, they were practicing their faith towards Christ, but somehow they have drifted back into temple rites and, and making sacrifices, uh, they've fallen away, they're not maintaining their faith. And, and by the way, the truth is, that maintaining an active faith towards God, like walking with the Lord every day, you know, having our heart open, uh, you know, getting on our knees, uh, dealing with our sin issues, uh, consecrating our life, hearing from God, you know, in a very real sense, that takes more effort than just going through the motions and going to the temple and making a sacrifice. It, it takes more of our soul. It takes more of our dedication. It takes more of our real emotional and spiritual energy to do those things. And I really think this is what the apostle is uh, directing because he uses a very interesting word here, a word that is only used one time in the New Testament. In the New American Standard translated, it's this way. So you will not be sluggish. You will not be sluggish. And that can be translated, you know, apathetic. It can be translated lazy. It can be translated dull. It can be translated slow. Uh, but what it's really talking about is somebody that is just coasting, okay? He says uh, that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience have inherited the promise. He's really warning them against people that are backsliding in front of them. Uh, you know, there's nothing more discouraging in the faith than to watch people who are once vibrant now not be vibrant any longer, who in some cases actually turn their back on God and, and they don't want to hear God. They don't want to thank God. They don't want Jesus to be involved in life. And, you know, to me... Yeah, there's no greater embarrassment about my faith, you know, to see people who were once acknowledging God now not acknowledging God. If there's one thing I'd want to hide from the unbelieving world, it, it would be those people because it's hard to uh, make an explanation for them. But, you know, the truth is that the easiest explanation is that our relationship, our salvation is based on a relationship with Christ. And that relationship should be maintained. Of course, 
The passages right before this are some passages where there's great debate uh, for hundreds of years as to, as to what they mean. And, uh, uh, you know, there are passages that are not often preached on. But I think if you see the context, I think it's a little bit clearer. Uh, for instance, it says in verse 4, For in the case of those who have been once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. So this is not talking about somebody who thinks they were saved and they really weren't. Because it, it says that they were enlightened. It says they tasted the heavenly gift. They were made partakers of the Holy Spirit. They tasted the good word of God. In other words, these were people that didn't just have an intellectual conversion. They had a real conversion. They had an experiential conversion. There was something that happened in their life. But then it says it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. But why is it impossible to renew them to repentance? Listen to this. Since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Now remember, the greater context is people that have gone back to the temple. Uh, in some cases, they've got their, their foot in both camps. They, they're acknowledging Jesus, but they're making sacrifices. And I, I think that's the context of what he's saying here. He said, you can't repent until you stop doing that. You can't renew somebody in repentance to really be right with God, really have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if they're still offering sacrifices, because every time they do that, they are crucifying themselves the Son of God again and putting him to open shame. I think that's what's being taught here. And I've read a lot on it. I've heard a lot of debates on it. Uh, but I think if you really contextualize it, I think that's the only biblical conclusion you can make. Because obviously, people can repent and be restored, but they can't repent and being restored when they're persisting in a sacrificial system that says that Jesus isn't enough. In other words, I'm hedging my bets. I believe in Jesus but I'm going to, you know, go and offer a couple turtle doves. By the way, it can be more subjective than that. I'm going to go and I'm going to go and be water baptized. I believe in water baptism, but I believe water baptism is for believers because I believed, not so I don't have to believe or not in case I don't believe enough, right? Or with communion, I'm going to receive communion as kind of a, a good luck trinket. I'm going, to go, I'm going to go to church the same way. Well, those are not things that make you saved, but those are things you should want to do because you are saved. In other words, we're not using Jesus as kind of a good luck charm. We're understanding that the sin of us, the sin of the nations, was laid on him at the cross. We are, we are celebrating that true trust, that true dependency on Jesus. I mean, I think one of the ways to really find out what people were saved is to ask them this question. You've heard this question probably. If you were going to stand before God and he would say, why should I let you into heaven? What would your answer be? If your answer is anything but the blood of Jesus Christ, then I think there needs to be a, a gut check. I think we really need to examine that. 
So the Apostle Paul, if you believe that's who wrote the book of Hebrews, or whoever you believe wrote the book of Hebrews, the writer is saying, do not become sluggish, do not become dull, do not start coasting in your faith. Remember, the faith in Christ is an active engagement. He also says something else complimentary to them that's easy to miss in this passage, and that's in verse 10. He says, for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. Again, if you put that verse in context, I think the ministry he's talking there is about people who are struggling coming out of Judaism, that while they're arguing the truth with them, based on the scriptures, based on who Jesus said he was, based on that person's own experience, apparently they were still striving with them. They were still working with them, not just rejecting them because they were weak and they were suffering, that they were being drawn back into a faith that was more about culture than it was about their destiny. Of course, the writer uses the Abraham leverage here, as they did with Jesus. He says, for when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. He's reminding them that the covenant of Abraham that we find in Galatians 3, for instance, is still in vogue, and that the covenant of Moses was designed to help us to get there, and that the covenant of Jesus is the power to get there. But he says that they were imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promise. I don't think that's a reference just to New Testament saints. I think that's actually a reference to those people who are before the cross, looking toward the cross, who with faith and patience believe that. And now he's appealing to them. He said, how much more because of the cross should we have faith and patience? Don't be like these people that have fallen away and it's impossible to renew them because they want to go back to the Jewish sacrificial. Let's celebrate Jesus. Everything that God could do about your salvation has already been done. And now the Holy Spirit is urging us to respond. What a privilege. Let's celebrate the one and only sacrifice that qualifies us to stand before God, and that is Jesus himself. This is Keith Tusi with Leadership in Context. Share this with somebody today. Today, Keith concluded his discussion on being imitators. Our salvation is based on a relationship with Christ, and that relationship must be maintained. Don't become sluggish or dull. Don't start coasting in your faith. Be imitators. Let's be a people who actively engages our faith in Christ. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at In Our Pastors. See you next week.